Hi, guys, and welcome to Oracle 8 Podcast, High Frequency Transmissions on the Deeper Meanings of Life. In this podcast, I discuss relationship, astrology, spirituality, money, soul purpose, and more. My intent is that every person and being listening remembers the divine perfection that they are. Let's let the transmissions begin. So today we have a guest, and this is the first time that I've ever had a guest on Oracle 8 podcast. Um... I decided I wanted somebody who knew more about a subject than I did, and that is masculinity. So I'm a relationship coach, I'm an energy healer, and about 95% of my clients have relationship questions. In fact, so much that I started to do a live stream every week um, on basically answering people's relationship questions and how to improve their relationships and have conscious relationships. And one of the big topics was masculinity. And I feel like I don't know as much about masculinity um, as this person. So if you would please welcome, today we have identity and masculinity coach Bjorn Gunheild on the program today. Hi, Bjorn. Hi. Thank you for joining us today um, on this this topic that I feel like needs to be discussed. Uh, can you give us a little background on why uh, masculinity is a specialty of yours? Um, yes. Um, masculinity has become important to me because I, I learned that in my adult life, I knew relatively little about how to fulfill my role and how to establish an identity. And I didn't know what that looked like. And um, I didn't have a very good example. And I needed to do research and study and think about what masculinity might actually look like in this modern age. Mm -hmm. So that, so at what age did you decide that you didn't have a great role model for masculinity? I've known that I didn't have a great role model ever since my twenties. And how old are you now? Uh, and I'm 48 now. Mm -hmm. And, um, although my father understood masculinity from the military and college and medical school. He, I don't think he could label it as that. And I don't think he understood the finer aspects of masculinity. And, uh, so what would you say? are the like the finer aspects of masculinity because they're like you know masculinity from possibly like the the military and college could be labeled as like toxic ma masculinity like there's lots of different variants of masculinity so in in your opinion what would you say the finer aspects of masculinity are well let me let me address what you just said which is yes Military is one lens, so that's a very singularly minded 
focus and lens or filter, if you will, to regard masculinity through. And there are a couple of virtues within that, which would be discipline, organization. I think those actually are virtues of masculinity. Mm -hmm. Um, Toughness, which I believe is also a virtue of masculinity. But then another aspect of masculinity, which the military, at least when my father was growing up and becoming a man, is sensitivity and understanding your feelings Mm -hmm. and understanding yourself. And if you don't understand yourself, that would be where the toxicity begins to develop. Mm -hmm. That's so important. I think that's so important for for men to hear because I feel like our society has bred um, this this genre of men who are not supposed to feel and, you know, you know, not to cry and not to show their emotions or feelings. You just have to, you know, just get shit done. And um, so many men, I think your age and older, don't even have any idea how to tap into their emotions and feelings because they weren't allowed to. No, they don't. And that they, they, they don't, I feel like there are a lot of guys that feel like masculinity is under attack, and I actually don't feel like masculinity is under attack. Um, They feel like masculinity is under attack because of modern feminism and um, like that phrase, toxic masculinity. And I actually don't feel like masculinity is under attack, but by the same token, I feel like masculinity no longer has a definition or the definition is diminishing and not very present and fractured. Mm-hmm. Um, masculinity when my dad was growing up was essentially the Marlboro man or a soldier, which is just tough. If you have feelings, stuff them down and get things done. And there is absolutely a part of that that is masculinity and in modern society, there are absolutely times when you have to stuff those feelings down. You have to control them and you have to get things done. That absolutely is a part of masculinity. But then a part of being human and also being a man is that you recognize your feelings, you understand your feelings, you talk about them, and you diffuse things like shame and self-hatred. Mm-hmm. That's, that's so important. Um, can you speak a little bit on um, how how somebody who how um, you know and when I say masculinity, um, you know I'm going to be not gender for specific here for you know for purposes of including everyone as if whoever is embodying the masculine because there's masculine and feminine in each one of us right so who's ever embodying the masculine role? How would one if they grew up? not feeling allowed to, you know, express feelings and emotions. Now they're like in their late 40s and have no idea how to even do that. How would you say to go about that? I think the very first step of that is is understanding that vulnerability is not only powerful, but absolutely necessary to live. So the reason, and I don't, I don't think there's a there's a Western psychiatrist or psychologist that would disagree with me here, but 
most of the reason people commit suicide and men commit suicide is because of self-hatred and shame. Mm. And when you are able to talk about your feelings or talk about stupid things you've done, mistakes you've made, things that are, you know, in, in, in the harshest of definitions would not be masculine, then you diffuse those. You diffuse the elements of shame. Vulnerability is a diffuser of shame. Guilt is a diffuser of shame. Embarrassment is a diffuser of shame and self-hatred. So I would say these things are an essential part of being a man um, as well as being tough. But the Marlboro man or the soldier identity or the Indiana Jones character, there is a part of masculinity that is all of those things. But it's one-sided. That's half of it. Mm -hmm. And it's an important half. But if you don't recognize the other half, you know, you're a man trying to stand on one leg. So there's kind of this, like, delicate balance um, that that embodies both. You know, it's not just the the soldier and it's not just, you know, the emo, crying, poetic man, but it's something in between. I, I would say that it's not even a delicate balance. I would say that it's absolute. I would say that for everything you do that's tough, that's hard-ass, legitimately hard-ass, for every knockout punch you throw, um, if you know, you're an MMA fighter or whatever your trade may be, for everything heroic that a man does, there is somehow on the other side of that, there's got to be understanding of your own limitations and understanding and uh, empathy for yourself and sympathy for yourself and understanding for yourself and forgiveness for yourself. I would say it's, it's, I would say that it's not balanced, nor is it difficult to understand. If, if you're going to be tough in life, you need vulnerability to support that. So if you're going to be tough in a business meeting, on the other side of that, there's got to be understanding for yourself and at least vulnerability on a personal level. Hmm. You know, uh, if, if, you go, if, you're, if you're a businessman and you go to a business meeting and you get chewed up in that business meeting, you absolutely have to be able to go home or go back to your office and say to yourself, God damn, that was rough. That was impossible. Like, I can't, I can't even believe that happened to me. And because only from that standpoint of being broken and being shot down, so to speak, or being challenged, so to speak, will you gain strength to come back and be who you need to be as a man? Mm-hmm. So you've got to have that understanding of yourself. If you just ignore it and walk away, you will not ultimately be resilient, strong, and tough, and everything that a man needs to be archetypally. So, so basically, the, what you're saying is that the masculinity role includes you being able to feel your feelings and, and allowing yourself to feel vulnerable within those feelings, which... 
is what I teach uh, in, in my coaching in the feminine aspects as well. It's just, it seems to be easier for the feminine to do because it's more in our circuitry or something. Feeling our emotions is more in our circuitry. Would you say that that's true? Yes. And also, this is, this is kind of an interesting thing, but you just touched upon an aspect one of the tricky things about being a man that I've discovered is that you have a role to maintain for others. You have a role to maintain for your children. You have a role to maintain for your wife. You have a role to maintain for your mother, which is very different, you know, for your father if they're still alive. You have a role to maintain for all of these people, and you grow into that role, and you develop that role. And you've heard the saying, it takes a village— right? Like to, to raise a child, mm-hmm. so to speak. I think that's a very common use. Mm-hmm. It takes a village to, to raise a child. Well, it takes, it takes a network. For a man to be strong, it takes a network. Mm-hmm. Like one of the brutal aspects about masculinity is that you can't, you, you have a role to fulfill for your woman. And when I say your woman, I mean your wife, she wants you to play a certain role. She wants to be able to lean on your identity. She wants you to fulfill that role for her and your kids. Mm-hmm. Enter the importance of friendship. Because if you get chewed up in a business meeting, although, yes, there should be a context in which you can talk to your wife about that, that takes some time and some trust to develop. Mm-hmm. And if you lean on your wife too much for that kind of thing, in mm-hmm. other words, if you're too vulnerable with your wife, then you have compromised your identity for her, which is exactly why you need a village. Mm-hmm. So this is why you need your father, or this is why you need your brother, or this is why you need friends that take place. And this is why you also need to fulfill that role for your friends, That's part of being masculine too, being a trusty friend, being a friend that when your friend is broken, they can come to you with all of their dashed dreams and, you know, disheveled attitudes toward themselves and sorrow and sadness, and they can tell you that, and you can be, you can have empathy for them, and you can say, I've been there, that's fucked up. That sucks. I'm sorry you're there, but you know what? You're going to get out of it, and I'm always going to be your friend, and I'm always going to be there and help you be who you need to be for others. Mm-hmm. I think that's so, that's so important because I, so often, and it goes both ways too, so often as the, the female in the relationship, we kind of rely on the man to be everything, right? The be, to be the person that I'm going to like complain to, to cry to, also be my provider, also be my sexual partner, also take me places, also be the rock. Like it's, it's kind of like when it takes it village, I think that's so important when you say that, you know, that we need friends, when you need, men need to have friends, um, to be able to bounce those things off of. Let me interrupt. Men need to have friends and men need to be friends. Yeah. And it's part of it. It's, it's a network. And men need friends to be who they need to be for their women and families. Yeah. 
I've seen this kind of in the last couple of years really starting to become popular as these sort of men's clubs and these men's groups and men getting together and sharing their feelings out in nature and doing activities. Um, uh, Wim Hof has one and a couple of other like um, men in the in the social media have these groups that men get together and and share their feelings and they feel like they're allowed to because they're in a context with other men. Everybody else is doing it. Um, what how do you what would you say would be something that somebody could do? you know, maybe joining one of these groups or would you recommend how could somebody become more vulnerable and become, get friends to talk about this stuff as a man? Well, that's, that's an incredibly personal question and there's no technique that I can speak to other than every man kind of has to have the courage to do that. Every man has to realize for himself that vulnerability is a part of the equation and vulnerability is going to help him be strong. And then that man has to seek people, likely men in his life or possibly a father figure or possibly a mentor, but that man has to seek people with whom he can be vulnerable and not judged and not abused in return. So the people that a man seeks have to be worthy of that privilege. Mm -hmm. And they have to be empathetic, but they also, they also, as I've done as a brother to my brothers, okay. In, in some cases, I've had brokenhearted friends come to me and complain about, complain about a relationship that ended months ago. And as has been done to me, I've had to say to my friends, it's time to shut the fuck up about that. Mm -hmm. You've got to move on. We've talked about this 10 times or more, and you're no longer making valid decisions on the part of this breakup. You're continuing to nurture your sorrow and be a victim. So to be a man for another man, to be a brother, to be a friend, there has to be... If you're fulfilling your role as a man to a brother, there has to be a good sense of when to be vulnerable and when to get over things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And as someone who is seeking friendship and support in that, You've got to have, you've got to your, to the best of your ability, you've got to find somebody who you will, who you genuinely think will have judicious attitudes toward those concepts, toward vulnerability and also toward toughness. Yeah. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a, up to the, up to the individual to seek out people in their life who they feel safe around to express Yes. With. Yeah. Yes. And some people, and unfortunately, some friends that I've had have had toxic fathers and toxic brothers and toxic households. And no one in their family, no one in their direct circle would be such a candidate, would be helpful, mm -hmm. as well as they themselves share toxicity, which if you yourself are, are, 
are toxic and you have a horrible self-dialogue, you know, you're constantly saying bad things to yourself. I'm an idiot. I'm a pussy. I'm an asshole. I'm stupid. Right? Like that's, I, I guess, you know, now that I think about it, that would be probably the first place to start is be your own best friend, define that, and then find other people that can do that for you and help you with that. Absolutely. Like even when you were just saying how you were, you were um, just speaking on behalf of like a friend talking to you where it's like, hey, you're going to be okay, you're going to get out of this. Um, I was thinking like, that's, that's wonderful self talk. That's, that's how you should be talking to yourself. Mm hmm. Um, so I want to just kind of move on here. I wanted to I have a lot of questions that come up in my live stream on Thursdays and uh, relationship questions. And let, let me just say, before we go much th further, I mean, I feel like the conversation to this point, you know, we're quite a ways into this conversation. And, and the topic is not... The topic although simple at its core, is nuanced. And it's not incredibly sophisticated, but there are a great many nuances mm -hmm. to this. Mm -hmm. And if a man is truly seeking masculinity and identity, there are a million different ways that that has to fit him. Mm -hmm. So the core values of vulnerability and being tough right? Like these are two concepts that are diametrically opposed. And these concepts need to be applied at different times in a man's life. And on the battlefield is not the time to be vulnerable. Mm. Like it's not. Mm -hmm. It's not when you're on the battlefield, when you're at work, when you're fighting, you know, and many, much of the day for a lot of guys is a battle. You know, not just for truck drivers and actual soldiers or construction workers, but, you know, business is brutal too. Guys that work in offices, guys that go to court, right? Like guys that represent criminals, that's battle. That requires the tougher aspects of masculinity. And so there needs to be, yes, the you know we're 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 glossing over topics that are that are complicated but yes there does the basic concept here about the things that we've covered so far can be summed up in there needs to be vulnerability there also needs to be toughness and there are different contexts and times and places and people that you can deal with these issues and work on these things with. So that would be the basic point of, I think, everything we've discussed until now. Yeah, cool. Um, and we'll give your, your contact information out at the end as well, because I know that you've helped um, many people through this, and I've sent clients to you. So, um, you know, if you guys are out there listening to this or know somebody who would need somebody to talk to about the nuances of this and maybe how to even start or go about defining, you know, more of your own masculinity and what that is, um, we'll give Bjorn's information at the end. So I wanted to just bring up a couple of topics, a couple of situations that my clients have, um, and kind of get your take on it, because my take is sort of different than someone coming from the male, the male side of it. So, um, for instance, 
Um, one of my clients is um, she's she's been married for I think they were married they've been married for about five years. Um, she was complaining um, about her husband kind of losing his um, health regimens and not eating right and not working out with her anymore. And she was really trying to get herself on this like right track of working out every day and eating healthy. And he kind of just fell off the wagon. And she was um, really upset about that. And she kind of like went into this, um, you know, resentment and frustration mode because he's not um, adhering to, you know, this healthy lifestyle that she wants him to be. And he's gaining weight and she's like, I'm not that attracted to him anymore. What, what would you say, um, speaking on that, like where to go from there? Do we know what he's doing instead of giving attention to his health? And do we know how long it's been since he gave attention to his health? Um, it's, she says it's, it's basically been for like the last six, six months, um, and just, just doing everything but that, just distractions, life, work. So in the case of our, our fellow in question, um, I mean, six months, it's likely that there's anything in his life. My, my personal workouts, my morning gets workouts get disrupted because of goals I want to accomplish in other areas. Mostly I try to maintain that fitness regimen because I think it's such a clarifying element of my day. And I think it can rectify uh, if I wake up feeling bad. I think it can square my day. I think it can set me on a good path. I think the blood flow to my brain and how it balances my hormones is incredibly important. Six months is quite a while to go without a workout, but I would afford our, our friend leeway depending on what he's working on. Do we know what this guy does for a profession? Um, I do not. So there's some qualification that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. um, although it seems unlikely, if he has been derailed by something at work, if let's say he's a lawyer and he has an incredibly complex case, or he's someone in a profession that requires ongoing certification and he needs to study for a test, there are things in life that, you, that could derail you from your fitness for months. Mm -hmm. I would argue that it is in his best interest, no matter what he's doing, to maintain a workout. Mm -hmm. I would argue that that is the most pure form. He may have, I know that I too have uh, had to back off workouts because of injury and because I've been working out incorrectly and I haven't found the correct mode. So I am just phasing out of maybe a month to six week stretch where my workouts have been very minimal because I feel as though I was making mistakes and I had to refine my regimen and I didn't know how to go about that. And so as of the last two or three weeks, I've gotten a better handle on it and I'm back to cranking hard almost every day. But there could be many things that are getting in the way of his workout, including including the involvement with his wife. If it's something that he and his wife did together, 
maybe he needs to not do that. Yeah. I mean, it, she, um, she was saying that it's just laziness and um, she just sees him being becoming lazy. And that's judgment. Mm-hmm. And he may be facing things that he's not expressing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say on her part, she needs to not judge. Um, I think it's just fine if she spurs him on. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. Get your workout done, honey. Mm-hmm. Do it. Mm-hmm. You need to do this for your life. The judgment is a toxic element on her part. She needs to lose that no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as that's happening, that's not going to be healthy for anyone. So she, I would say, yeah, she can encourage him to work out, but she needs to lose that judgment and, and not call it lazy. It, it might very well be lazy, but uh, I would say that that's not her, her judgment to make. And if she wants him to work out, she just needs to tell him to work out. Work out, honey. You were doing good. Come on. Mm-hmm. Keep it going. What's going on? What do, do I need to get out of your hair so you can work out? Mm-hmm. What do we need to do? What's wrong? Well, it kind of goes to what you're saying about it. T- you know, it takes a village. Um, you know, on her end, um, it's kind of like, well, okay. So if your husband dropped off the workout routine, you can. T- you don't stop it. Don't use that an excuse for you to stop it. Go. You know, find some friends to work out. Go join a club. Go. You know, continue continue it. And you know, if he follows suit later, great. And if not, um, you know. To, to keep that supportive, but building resentment um, isn't isn't the way to go. So no, that's a mistake on her part. Yeah, she needs to not not build not be resentful because he's not working out. She needs to let him do his thing. She needs to let him have his process, even if it's months long. Mm-hmm. She needs to not feel betrayed, and it sounds like she might feel betrayed because maybe it's something they decided to do together. But he has a right to lose interest, and. Uh, you know, if he doesn't want to do it, he doesn't want to do it. And maybe he's, you know, battling other demons that she has no idea exist. Exactly. And maybe he's not talking about that because he's actually trying to maintain mm-hmm. masculinity and fulfill a role for her, but he's not feeling his workouts. Mm-hmm. And it would be my advice to him that he gets to the bottom of it and that he knows that working out is an essential part of human existence, at least in my opinion. Um, I, I think it's crucial. I think it's, I think it's crucial for, uh, not to, not only today and the moment, but having an effective today, but, and have, and being present for the day. But I think it's crucial for your future. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I would advise he figure out what's going on there. I mean, I, I agree a hundred percent. I, <clears throat> you know, more the, my health and fitness routine has um, kept me from going into the depths of despair many a time. So I agree with you there. Um, I wanted to just ask you, uh, cause I, I think we're coming to the end here to, um, what you, what do you think makes a successful relationship? Maybe just kind of go like the top three things that you think makes a successful relationship? Um, well, there's basic compatibility, which is number one, which I think a lot of people, possibly men, but I think women alike may neglect or may not admit to themselves that they're not compatible with a person that they're with genuinely, and they don't maybe dare to approach that. And I'm not saying be a fool and give up someone 
that uh, this is this is kind of a difficult topic to approach because a lot of people will cite compatibility as a reason to get out of a relationship and nurture their own ego, which actually is a really good organic way to kind of say, okay, you think you're hot shit, break up, see what happens. Um, but if you're omitting ego and ego is not a part of it for you, then you need, if you can, if you can subtract that from the thoughts you have and really get down to whether or not you are compatible with a particular person, then you need to parse that out. You need to, you need to figure out, am I compatible? Is this really what I want? There are some very basic deal breakers for a lot of people that just stay in relationships where say a woman wants to have kids. The guy doesn't, the guy's never going to have kids. The woman stays with him trying to convince him to have kids, but he doesn't want that for his life. Mm -hmm. That would be incompatible. Mm -hmm. People need to admit that and move on Mm -hmm. and get out of the situation or they need to admit it and stay with him. And like in the woman's case, she needs to just give that up. Mm-hmm. But when she makes that decision, she's got to see how it feels. She's probably not going to be really happy, and she's probably going to want to move on. Mm-hmm. But so compatibility would be the top one. The and and children, you know, that's a very popular one because a lot of women want to have kids. A lot of men don't. Sometimes the reverse is true. But compatibility, in one way or another. Um, just basic compatibility with uh, assessing that without ego on both parties. So basically just being able to speak what it is that you want in the relationship, also knowing what it is that you want and not be afraid to tell your partner what it is that you want for fear that you won't get it. Yep. Yeah. And being honest about that, both people, Mm -hmm. both people. So that that is the most basic one. Which really shouldn't, can be can be figured out and and understood with I don't know in a, in a number of dates or in a number of weeks mm-hmm. I would say not months like in a, that all, you can get to the nitty gritty of that in a relatively short period of time is what I'm saying if you're dating someone or if it's someone that you're with that you need to understand the second element I would say is that if you're talking to me which I am every bit a man's man. I want to be a man's man. Um, I have no issues with gender. Um, I was born a man. I want to be a man, that kind of thing. So if you're talking, if you're talking to me, then I would say it's the second thing in a relationship is roles. So as a man, I want some who, as a, as a classic man or as someone who's striving to be a classic man, not a toxic man, but someone who embodies many of the classic traits, I would say I'm looking for the same in a woman. I am looking for someone who embodies many of the classic female traits. So they're a bit more submissive. They're nurturing. They're supportive of my endeavors as I will be theirs. But... But I would say that roles, roles relative to one another are the next most important thing. And if both parties, the man and the woman, are fulfilling their roles, which 
leads me to the next, which, which is a very lovely segue into the next most crucial thing in a relationship, which is what I believe accountability on the part of each individual for themselves. So for their own behavior. So, and that is kind of along the lines of if you're not accountable for yourself, why are you pointing the finger at your partner? If you've made mistakes, if you're not being everything that you need to be, why are you pointing the finger at your partner? Did you do something that made it difficult for them to be who they need to be? Are you being everything you need to be? I personally feel like if you are not looking inward when you have a conflict with your partner, then you are doing yourself and your relationship a disservice. That, that, those are great words, my friend. It's what I teach as well and coach as well. Um, so the th- top three would be compatibility, um, roles, and I was going to speak on roles. Like roles requires you to know who you are. You know, like you've got to know who you are. You got to know who uh, what you want, right? So you're like, I'm a man. I'm striving to be a man. I'm masculine. I want somebody who is like in her feminine. You know, so um, definitely knowing who you are is a key point into the roles thing. And then, gosh, the accountability thing. That's if I I agree with you there. If everybody out there who's in a relationship could take 100% accountability for their own thoughts, feelings, and emotions and how they show up, I think there'd be a lot less um, divorce. I think there'd be a lot less fighting. There'd be a lot less suffering. There'd be a lot less dissatisfaction. Yeah. So, and another thing I'd like to say is regarding roles, at least a, a man's role, is the roles unto themselves, like the, the role of masculinity, the role of being a man for your woman. In terms of a flat definition, this is not sophisticated. This is not complicated. Most of it actually is being masculine, which is Marlboro Man, G.I. Joe, combined with being vulnerable and maintaining balance. And most women do not want something that is incredibly complicated. They don't want something that is incredibly grandoise. Most women, there are women who need a rich dude. There are, need, there are women who need a handsome dude. There are women who need the rich and handsome dude. They need their dude to be six feet three, six feet two inches tall, uh, with a chiseled jawline, and, you know, two to three hundred thousand in the bank, and a condo on the East Bench. There are women who need that. It's been my personal experience that most women don't. It's been my personal experience that most women simply want their man to fulfill a role and do a good job of it, which is very different, which is very achievable, which is not impossible, which if a man believes in himself 
and can define his identity and can define his role, and he knows a template by which he can follow and values and virtues that he can trust and try to embody, most men can achieve this, even if they're goofy, even if they're broke, as long as they're not alcoholics or addicts, which a lot of people have. A lot of people have those challenges. But if they can get over those challenges, and in regards to alcoholism or in regards to addiction, fulfilling a role, fulfilling masculinity, adhering to identity, striving to fulfill an identity or a role can oftentimes help a man overcome addiction. So it all works together, or it can all work together if men allow it. It's a system, it's there, it's a template, it's how we evolved, it's how we've evolved for thousands of years, it's how we survived, it's how women saw a man and said, I want that, I'm going to let him fuck me. Mm-hmm. It all goes hand in hand. Awesome. Yeah, and if, um, you know, if you guys are interested in learning more about that template and wanting support with that, um, Bjorn is taking private clients, um, doing one-on-one sessions. So we'll put the contact information at the end. Um, thank you so much, Bjorn, for your insight today. I think that was, uh, that was really insightful for me, just listening to, to your, your points of view on this. Um, and I hope out there that a lot of people will benefit from, you know, maybe hearing this and feeling like they've got a friend that, you know, somebody else who's gone through maybe what they're going through or feels what they felt. Um, I think that's, that's really important. So thank you. You're welcome. And it's not, it's not an easy path, even if you have a template, but it's a whole lot more easy if you have an idea of what you need to be and who you need to be. And you clearly define that for yourself in your context. But, you know, of course, life is not easy. Um, but yes, I, I, I think when you have a template of what you should be for whom, you know, for your wife, for your kids, for your parents, for your brother, and, uh, you know, you're, you're doing your, de- your best to, to be that and you're doing your best to fulfill your obligation you have to live the best life for yourself as well. I believe that that is a step in the right direction and a lot of times can absolutely help with some of the biggest challenges. 100%. Awesome. Thanks for listening, guys. And if you have questions or comments, um, feel free to DM me and um, we can get you guys the information for Bjorn. Uh, Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.